Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. It's Tuesday, June 1st, 2021. We're brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Dr. Mike O'Neill is terrific at a whole bunch of stuff, but especially sedation dentistry. If you have a whole lot of dental work that needs to be done, but you don't want to be awake during the procedure, sedation dentistry is the answer. Give them a call, 317-849-2900. Three, three, punch, subscribe, hit like, ring the bell. Let's talk about sports. Tonight, we've got an NBA playoffs game that may have ramifications for the Indiana Pacers. The Celtics are playing the Nets. If the Nets win this game, they eliminate the Celtics, and the Celtics may look for a new coach. And if they look for a new coach, that means their old coach, Brad Stevens, would be looking for work. And the Pacers, not necessarily sold on Nate Bjorkman yet, This would provide an escape hatch for Kevin Pritchard as he deals with this coaching issue. He could sell Herb Simon on the idea that Brad Stevens is both going to be an upgrade and a guy who's going to move season ticket sales. Brad Stevens coming home is a salient story for Pacers fans, just as it would have been for Indiana basketball down in Bloomington a couple of months ago when Scott Dolson was looking for a coach and reportedly was looking to offer Brad Stevens seven years, $70 million to become the next head coach of the Hoosiers. The Pacers likely going to get off a little bit lighter in bringing Brad Stevens to Indianapolis if they should so choose. I would prefer that the Celtics get hotter than hell and eliminate the Nets. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if Danny Ainge is going to be so impatient that he fires Brad Stevens. I don't think that Brad Stevens' job is really in jeopardy or it's likely that would have been communicated to him in late March as Dolson was looking for the next head coach at Indiana University. But if they do pull the trigger and Stevens is soon to be the former head coach of the Celtics, the Pacers, there they are in what would be a position where they would make the call, wouldn't they? He'd call and see if he was interested in coming to Indianapolis or 
whether he was happy in Boston and had a whole bunch of money and was going to be paid a whole bunch of money not to coach him, might go to the media and his kids aren't going to be uprooted from school and all of that stuff. But maybe Brad Stevens would be motivated to take the call and have a serious conversation with Herb Simon and Kevin Pritchard about that job. I want to talk about the media and how athletes deal with the media. All right, Naomi Osaka has withdrawn from the French Open. She was fined $15,000 for skipping a media session for the French Open. And so rather than play matches and have to endure grilling by the tennis media, she decided to withdraw. Here's the thing about media and athletes. If athletes don't want to talk to the media, even when they do talk to the media, they really don't say many interesting things. I go back to a time when Jack Muhort was with the Colts. And after a game, I walked up to Jack Muhort and I said, do you want to talk, Jack? And Muhort said, well, it's part of the job, isn't it? He sounded just like that. That's a dead-on Jack Muhort impression, by the way. And I said, no, it's not, as a matter of fact. If you don't want to talk, I have no interest in talking to you because you're not going to say anything interesting. You're just going to go through the motions. I'm going to ask you questions. You're going to give me answers that you really don't care about. And what does either of us get out of that exchange? And why would people want to listen to it? And he looked at me and said, oh, well, all right. And we went on with our day. If Naomi Osaka doesn't want to talk to the media, the media should not want to talk to Naomi Osaka. There are people who understand that talking to the media is good for their brand. I look at the Pacers. They got a lot of guys who are really, really good at talking to the media. Justin Holliday, chief among them. C.J. Miles was terrific with the media. Really, really thoughtful and really interesting. Enlightening is what he was. So I always enjoyed talking to him, just as I do with Justin Holliday. And with other guys who play for the Pacers. Now, Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think he likes talking to the media too much. And I know Miles Turner really doesn't, so I try not to talk to those guys. But if I can talk to a T.J. McConnell or a Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott's all right. If I can talk to the guys who are good at it. Or, you know who's great with the Indianapolis Colts? George Odom. How about that? Pro bowler as a special teams guy in a backup safety Talking to him is just a wonderful experience because he listens to the questions, he responds to them, and he gives great answer. That's what he does. That's what we want as, as media guys, right? Talking to people in the locker room, talking to people pre or post game uh, with the Pacers or the Colts. That's what we want. We want people who are engaged in the process. And if Naomi Osaka cannot be engaged and, and doesn't want to share things about herself with strangers who represent the media, I totally get it. I understand that. And I don't think the media should press it. I, I think it's good for tournaments on the whole to have people who want to deal with the media and are going to share their experiences and have an honest conversation. I think that that's good. That Naomi doesn't believe that she benefits from it or that her mental health might be challenged by it, I'm cool with that. And I really think the media ought to take their foot off the gas and tap the brakes a little bit and say, you know what, she doesn't want to play, we don't want to play with her. It's fine. We, we don't need to sit at the same lunch table together in high school. If she doesn't want to be at our table, and we don't want to be at her table, it's all good. Don't have to find her $15,000 or whatever. It's all fine. And let's face it, events aren't really altogether that well promoted 
through player availabilities, right? If you're talking to Serena, that's one thing. If you're talking to uh, Djokovic, that's one thing. Federer, that's one thing. Um, you know, Nadal, he's never really too terribly interesting. So it, it really, it's a kind of a sliding scale. You don't want to talk to everybody. You don't need to talk to everybody. Just talk to the people who are interested in talking. Now, Andrew Luck, quarterbacks are kind of a different issue. We want to hear from quarterbacks. Andrew Luck didn't like dealing with the media, and that was okay. I need to get a bunch of answers to Andrew Luck. Mostly, Andrew Luck's answers were just kind of, you know, circuitous and, and kind of, you know, dealt vaguely with the topic of the question. But what he said was really terribly interesting, and, and that's fine by me. If those guys don't want to talk, they don't have to talk. And it's all negotiated through the NFLPA and through tournaments and through, you know, the different tours and whatnot. But if people don't want to talk to the media, I, I don't want to talk to them. It's, it's just that simple. I do think that people ought to be able to kind of understand if it's part of the job, it's part of the job. And you find a way to make it tolerable for yourself. If you're that ultra-sensitive that, you know what, dealing with a dozen media people during a post-match press conference, if that's wilting for you, I can't imagine what it feels like to be at center court at Roland Garros or, or at Wimbledon or at, at the Australian Open or at the U.S. Open in Flushing and have to play in front of 20,000 people. You know, you're hitting a second serve for the match. You know, oof, that's a lot of pressure. Talking to a bunch of, you know, goofballs in the media, I, I don't know. It's not daunting to me, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not daunting to others. We have to be a little empathetic, and we have to understand that people aren't always built like we are. I get it. Hey, uh, let's talk about the NBA again, and, and not just dealing with media, but dealing with fans you, you see people throwing water bottles at Kyrie Irving. They're dumping popcorn on Ru- Russell Westbrook. This has been done for time immemorial. It's not that fans have become boorish or are suddenly salty with players. It's always been that way. The consequence for that kind of activity has to be at a high enough level that people are dissuaded from continuing to act in that way. Right, That activity has to bear consequences that result in people thinking twice about being a party to it, especially in the NBA, because you're right on top of the floor, and people can come get a player. We, I hope to God that never happens. We saw what happened when that guy in Detroit in the malice at the palace flipped the drink on our test stomach. Our test went into the stands. Now, I hope that that is never repeated. But my memory is that over the next two or three years, we did not see any more of that behavior because nobody wants to get their lights punched out by Ron Artest or Stephen Jackson or any of the others. Jermaine O'Neal just about could have killed a guy when he came down on the floor. That kind of consequence I hope we never have to see borne out again. But consequences that are dire and immediate will stop that kind of behavior. Hopefully, these guys being brought up on charges and facing a ban from arenas and season ticket privileges revolt and all that stuff. Hopefully that takes care of it. I think we've got to figure out a way to live together on this planet without putting each other in harm's way. Throwing water bottles at each other is ridiculous. Now there was a time when, you know what, popcorn was dumped on guys or beer or water or whatever. They went and they took a shower and it was over. 
some of these guys make maybe a bigger deal of it than needs to be made. However, fans have got to behave better. They, there's got to be a little bit more prudence in the way they comport themselves in arenas, or, or you got a big problem. However, the way to get it stopped is to stack consequences so high that people can't see around them. And if you do that, you solve this problem. Uh, I saw today there was an email from Purdue University that announced that they're going to play, the Boilermakers are going to play in the Basketball Hall of Fame Invitational against NC State. And I scratched my head and I said, am I in a time warp? What, what's going on? I know they're playing in the Basketball Hall of Fame thing. I thought they were playing against North Carolina. Well, as it turns out, these are two different events that Purdue are, that they're playing in, and they're playing against those two North Carolina teams. This uh, Hall of Fame Invitational is in Brooklyn, and they play against NC State. And then you've got the Hall of Fame Tip-Off Classic against North Carolina that's going to be held in Connecticut. So there you go. Uh, if you thought the same thing, if you were like, wait a minute, Basketball Hall of Fame, North Carolina, what? You're not alone. I felt exactly the same thing, and uh, but it's not. Two different events against two different schools. Good for the Boilermakers, getting a lot, of, a lot of preseason love in terms of the invitations that they're receiving to different events. We've seen that Indiana, in preseason way too early bracketology, Indiana's been uh, as high as a seven seed. I think that's about right. I think Indiana belongs in that seven seed area. I think higher than that, and, and you're really kind of giving them too much credit for what we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen these guys play together. We haven't seen Johnson and Durr and, uh, you know, they, they haven't seen any of these guys play together. We haven't seen Indiana play without Armand Franklin and Joey Brunk. Well, we saw him play without Joey Brunk quite a bit. Uh, we haven't seen the guys who transferred out, Al Durham as well, Jerome Hunter also transferred out. A lot of guys have transferred in. You've got recruits coming in. We have no idea what the t- this team's going to be. We do know this, that they're 13 deep in terms of scholarship players, guys who can play. If you rank them 1 through 13, I don't know who you rank 13th, but I'll guarantee you that that kid can play at a reasonably high level. And they all think they got a chance to play right now, which is a great thing because it's going to turn these guys into workout warriors who are going to try to gain every advantage they can before workouts start and before practice starts and before games start so they can impress the new coach and maybe earn minutes. I don't think anybody other than Trace Jackson Davis has been guaranteed a starting spot with the Hoosiers. And I don't think that anybody all the way down to 13th, whoever that might be, has been eliminated from consideration as a guy who is going to play meaningful minutes for Indiana. And that, like I said, iron sharpens iron, right? That's the old Chuck Pagano thing. That quote is ages old, but I will never, ever attribute it to anybody else because nobody has ever said it more than Chuck Pagano. Every single media availability that he had as head coach of the Colts, iron sharpens iron. He was relentless with saying iron sharpens iron. I think he's right, but did, did, it was drilled into our heads again and again and again and again and again. So it's Chuck Pagano's quote. I know other people have said it. It'll always belong to Chuck, though. Hey, tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent. And, and you know what? With the media, 
Maybe it's time to say, look, suck it up and do the right thing and answer questions. I don't know. I I just know that talking to people who do not want to talk is a futile and ridiculous uh, thing, practice. And and, and people don't want to talk? They don't have to talk. It's fine. It's going to be okay. The media, they'll figure out a different way to cover the sport rather than insert quotes from somebody who doesn't want to be quoted and doesn't want to sit up there answering questions. Breakfast with Kent tomorrow morning, brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry.